This episode from Life from the Well is a quarantine special. It is longer than normal, so feel free to pause as you need and come back to listen. Joey and our guest Kendall get very candid and emotional about the service industry following the coronavirus and how it has affected them, the people around them, and their thoughts to the future. This is a wonderful episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Welcome to Life from the Well. We're here to share our perspective with stories from the service industry. I'm your bartender, Joey. And I'm your barback, Peter. I'll keep the ice full. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life from the Well, where the drinks are strong and the stories are swell. (laughs) Joining us today, we have my good friend Kendall Lund, restaurant manager at Waterboy down in Sacramento, California. Kendall, welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for joining us today. Um, It's kind of fun. So we're doing another one of our Zoom interviews, and right now this is actually the only kind of interview I feel like you can get. (laughs) Mm -hmm. the the whole lockdown going on so uh it's it's uh giving us some new opportunities to reach out to some of our friends across the country because not only are we all stuck inside but everybody's at home for the most part so it's easy to get a hold of you guys (laughs) and and uh and i'm loving it so yeah (laughs) it's bad for the world but it's good for podcasts i guess uh no it's it's you know those of us that work industry hours it's like there'll be months where i haven't talked to a lot of a lot of people like you that are, are really good friends and then you know it's like hey we actually have time on our hands and everybody's off at the same time yeah yeah, <laughs> so, it's funny. yeah. i've been i've been reaching out to a lot of people lately just because like the like the first week or so i was like sad but now i'm just kind of everybody's home and everybody wants to talk you know <laughs> we're all yeah. just kind of you know missing each other and and like you said you know we're used to being the people that are kind of working when events are going on. And so you get used to not seeing your friends for a long time, but now there's just this phenomenon where we're all um, able to at least talk for a little while. So I'm just trying to catch up with as many of my loved ones as I can these days, because that's really what it's all about anyways, right? It's just uh, remembering that we're human, that we have love to give. Huh. Oh, well, and you know, one of the things about the people you work with is they, they do become like family and, you know, it, it's those lifelong bonds that it doesn't matter how much time passes in between catching up. It's like, oh, man, you remember you remember being in the trenches and, and yeah. like digging out of those nights where it's like, and this just end. And it's like you were you're right by my side when <laughs> all of those all of those crazy days at Cedarbrook. Dude, speaking of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really. Um, that's one of the things I think I love most about this this industry, and and you know, is the the strength of the bond that we build with each other. You know, because this, you really do endure a lot together. You know, and you spend holidays together, and you you know you you find out about you know 
you get bad news like in the middle of a shift a lot of times you know i remember like finding out my grandma died like as i was going into my shift one day and just being like oh damn i'll deal with that later and you know then going into work but then you know you still have your loved ones around you that know something's off and they're there to give you a hug and you know it's uh it's 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 really something special so I'm, i'm i'm happy that you're one of those people for me so me too me too absolutely and um you know, the stress of being overwhelmed in, in the bar or the restaurant, it's like you see people at their worst, you know, you, and, and you, you have those opportunities where somebody bails you out and it's like this miracle that, you know, mm-hmm. you just got saved by somebody who understood really the overall thing of what's happening to you right now. And it's just like those, those, that feeling of, of really coming together in those moments as a team. it's like you know it's like executing anything at the highest level you just you you feel this high from it it's it's awesome yeah Yeah. totally you say there's not that many times in life outside of you know a few situations i guess where where you find yourself like pushed to your wits like in on a busy friday night rush you know where you're just kind of like insane and you realize (laughs) i remember i I don't know if I told this story on here, but I had a guy recently. We had like I had printer tickets going down to the floor. The bar was full. There's a line out the door, and some guys like, "What tequila would you recommend right now?" And I was just like, "I don't have the capacity to answer you." And he's and he's like, "What?" And I was like, "Uh, just this one." And he's like, "Okay." But it was just kind of, but you know, you get to that point where your brain just stops working. You're falling over. And then somebody comes in. They're like, "What can I do for you? How can I help you? Where can I be?" And and you're just like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're my hero right now. And yeah. that doesn't happen like in day-to-day life. I feel like no, it can be your no. hero. But it happens uh, almost every day in a restaurant. Right, right. Well, I, I think of that, that feeling of, you know, if you're standing in the ocean and you're, the, sand, the wave's going out and you feel like the sand underneath you, like that moment where you're just like, <laughs> I, I am losing control right yeah. now. There um, go my legs. There go my sunglasses. So when I was a new, I was overseeing the banquet um, program at, at Cedarbrook and um, I was fairly new and I, I didn't have a banquet background, but I was overseeing, you know, an assistant manager who that's, that was their strong suit. So um, unfortunately this particular uh, was a very high profile, profile dinner, really, really good client that we needed to, you know, nail it. And uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things was they didn't have table numbers. They had names for the for the table so the whole thing was written out on the board and it had the table names but there was no like structure as far as numbering the table so you had <laughs> you, you had nowhere oval trays of of you know eight eight entree dishes going out into this dining room and nobody they'd get out there and like we need to go to golden wing and it's like where in the room is golden wing nobody could get the thing to where it needed to be because there were all these random names of like oh this one is bald eagle go to bald eagle what does that mean and i just the the assistant manager i don't i don't remember the the what pulled him off the floor but but he stepped away and just like there was this moment of absolute chaos and there's nothing scarier in a banquet situation than trays of hot food <laughs> and then your staff not knowing how to get that to the right you know to the right tables it's just like <laughs> so but it was one of those moments where I took a deep breath and I I, I leaned on um I somebody who had been there forever and was like hey we're gonna get this done 
we're we're gonna do our best not to just auction it off, you know, which is just where you're like, hey, who's got chicken? <laughs> but you know, we we got through it, and I was like, got back to the board, and I numbered the tables real quick, and it's like, okay, this is this is number nine. I don't care if it says bald yeah. eagle, just go into number nine. <laughs> We're going with the old tried and true numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out they've been using it for decades because it works. Hundreds of millennia. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what it is. And and you know those are those are the things that you still dream about, right? They're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Those are the server nightmares. Those are, everybody's everybody still has server nightmares. Most of mine yeah. like the soundtrack. The sound to them is just the the printer in my in my head. Like I, I wake uh, up like in a cold sweat to, especially when it keeps going before it goes click because then you know it's just a really 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 long ticket. It doesn't make that click sound. It just keeps printing. But. No, I still so um, there was an ownership change uh, when I was at Salish Lodge and Spa, and so the the new management company was coming in and like. It was it was a tough time because a lot of the front of the house staff was was jumping ship and and I knew that like that's that's where my trajectory was going that I I didn't want to stick around I also you know you still want to make you want to look sharp and you want to impress the new owners and all this right so um, there was this there was this Labor Day weekend or, or one of those three day weekends and everybody w was granted their time off and it's so, like I I get in. Uh, I, I wasn't management at this point and I get in it's like what do you mean you, you've only got two on the floor and, and we've got a hundred on the what what do you do <laughs> and it was it was just one of those nights where you just you know from the get-go it's not gonna go well and and you just have to put your head down and and just jam until the end of the day and yeah. so I I still have this dream sometime where um, one of the one of the owners is like on one side of the dining room and then his wife is at a different table as far away in the dining room as possible this is my dream mm -hmm. and I'm trying to serve both of them at the same time <laughs> when they're like literally as far away from each other <laughs> as as humanly possible so that's that's that nightmare about <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> excuse me so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little show structure at you here. Um, I wanna I wanna get how I, I wanna know um, kind of what what got you into the service industry. So you how, how long would you stay? First of all, like uh, so I um, almost yeah it's it's been my entire adult life. I mean yes. so that's, that's all I it, know. my yeah my first my first job. So my first job when I was 16 was at Giorgio's, Giorgio's Subs and, and like working with food. The, yeah. The, uh, the thing that I learned there was I, I had a good manager that said, if you see somebody twice, learn their name, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of those foundational, like, this is what hospitality is. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. After that, I was at Coho Cafe uh, in Issaquah. That was like local chain, you know, just high volume, higher price point than like your red robins or, or anything like that, but hmm. really not, not too exciting as far as culinary, you know, uh, inventiveness yeah. or anything. It was like it was a small town, small town family owned place kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but what I learned there was, uh, you gotta, you gotta run. You, yeah. I, always, I would always say, if you're not sweating, you're not bussing. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was a busser there. I became an expo 
And like, I just, I, I loved it. I love the, you know, cash in your pocket at the end of the day. I was mm-hmm. like, this is, this is the real deal. Like I, 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 and you know, just the, just the wide variety of characters that were on the, were on the team there. It's like yeah. just people, people that, that found the industry and you like from all different backgrounds and, and all different, um, you know, you, you have, really especially in the seattle area very educated people that that are in the service industry right and and just always have interesting stories um you know that was actually one of the things that kept me out of college (laughs) was i was working with people that had their master's degrees and i was like you're doing the same thing i'm doing and you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt let's just let's just skip that process and i'll just stay here yeah yeah um and then I, I knew that I knew that hospitality was going to be my life when I was at Salish Lodge and Spa. And that, that back in the day, pre 2008, you know, pre recession, um, it was the real deal. Three, uh, three person service brigade, which means you've got the captain who um, should only be on the floor. All they do, they're the FaceTime, they're the showman, you know, they're, they're doing all the, all the, um, interaction with the guest and making it just perfect and then the second step of that service team is the back waiter and they're the they're the ones that move the food they're the one that get the order in they're the one that doing all the communication with the kitchen um setting up there's a lot of table side so they're setting up all the table side garadon so that you you can carve your chateaubriand and and do your you know table side spinach salads and things of that nature and um i got hired on as a front waiter which you know, essentially your bread, water, clear, your, your busting roll. And, um, like I, it, it was pre 2008. It, the money was incredible for, I was 19 at the time when I got that job and, and it's like, wow, I can buy a car. Like I, you know, all of a sudden it was like, I can do things. And, you know, I, my relationship with my parents at the time was not very good. And, and I was looking to move out and it was just like, Wow, I, I I felt so lucky that I found this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave you your freedom. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And and not only that, like there was a sense of accomplishment and um, just belonging that I never felt in school. Right? Like in school, Absolutely. there was always this feeling of like, why why am I? So much of my day is stuff that I just don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't like the people I I'm with at school. Like. And, yeah. and being in that restaurant, I felt like this is what I want to like. These are the people I want to spend my time with. This is this is what I want to do. And well, so, so gratifying on like so many different. Yeah. Apps, right. Um, and, you know, the standard that we kept at that place was also something that I found very attractive because we knew that what we were doing was special. We knew that what we were able to produce was you know, you, those, those guests would go home and hopefully two years down the road, they'd be like, remember when we went to Salish Lodge Spa and we had that you know, Chateaubriand and, and remember, remember our captain that like was there for every, every little request. And, you know, just, just all of those little details of, of when we were able to, to get it absolutely right. There, there's nothing like that. You know, it's, you know, I, I can, I can only imagine that like, um, a jazz performer or, or like somebody that's doing high level performance like 
or it's, that's, that's what it feels like to me, you know, and that, that's a silly comparison and, and, you know, but, but that's, well, how it's, it's, it's your art. So, I mean, it's not right. silly. No, I don't think it's, it's, it's really where, you know, it's where passion lies and that's, I mean, to, to excel like at something you really want to excel at feels really good, you know, right. especially right. when it's taking you a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, your, cheers your camera there. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the show. We always like to start with a little booze. <laughs> My breakfast sherry that I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, breakfast sherry. Nice, nice lunch Zinfandel. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's not a thing, but we're gonna make it a thing. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> little little uh, PX and oatmeal over here. Wow. Um, uh, but. Good. Back to uh, back to the story about Salish. Um, there were one of one of like the first really busy weekends after um, I was through training. I was working with this captain who was notorious for just being the hardest person to work for. He was he was also had a reputation for making a lot of money, but he was all, like you know, it's it's a bunch of prima donnas, right? Like people, it's got to be perfect, and that's why they're in that role. That's why they're good is because they because they care so much. Sometimes it's scary. And um, so at the end of that shift, he pulls me aside and he looks at me and he's like, Kendall, your money. And, and I was just like, I was hooked. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I, I'm, I, knew, I knew I was getting it. I knew that I was going to be good, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and I loved that role so much because as a front server, you just like, you just be near the tables. And there were, there were a lot of nooks and crannies in this dining room. So there were private little two tops or a private little four top. And you just like, hang out and listen over overhear them say something and then you you'd be like hey they're not digging this you know whatever we can do like just getting that mm -hmm. just getting that info to the right place to be like okay we're we're not nailing it right here how do we adjust how do we make it right you know and we yeah. had we had so many rabbits in our hat right like that's that's one thing coming from a working with um hotels on the room side if you've got a problem and you're fully booked, you got no rabbit in your hat, right? Cause you yeah. got, you don't have another room to give anybody in, mm -hmm. in food and beverage. I've always got a rabbit in my hat. It's like, yeah. Oh, they didn't like the duck. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit them with a little, with a little steak or, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, they didn't, they didn't love that wine pairing. Well, let's get some in front of them. Let's make it right. As soon as we know there's a problem. And um, that's, that's the biggest thing I learned from them was, was that catering to, the specifics for each guest and and it takes a lot of time to be good at it in a way that like you're really connecting with that guest and you're not you're not doing it for your own ego or your own purposes but it's mm -hmm. like we're there for them right yeah. they came in here and we're going to create something that, that's going to be a, a lifelong memory right yeah um, i like that it takes a listening ear and um you know you really have to you really have to kind of give a shit about what you're doing too. I mean, it's not one of those things that you can just kind of half-ass, you know, customer service. It, it takes, it takes a, still a level of like commitment and caring. I think that you kind of almost have to be born with. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, this, I feel like you could probably learn, but I don't know that there's definitely, um, for those of us that like to like be problem solvers and like think on our feet and like, and, and, you know, and that mixes, um, like reading people and like understanding like personalities and what, you know, what, what did that head shake mean? What did that eye roll mean? What this and that? 
And so you can pick up on all those like subtle nuances to try to get them to leave with a smile on their face instead of, you know, anything less. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it also takes a, a level of humility of like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I need to, I need to not, I need to not take my preconceived notions about who's sitting in the dining room. I need to, I need to really understand what they're wanting out of their experience as opposed to like, no, you're going to have the duck because that's, that's the thing that I think is best or, you know, that's what the special, no, it's like, why, why are they here? What, what, what brought them to this restaurant and, and what are the things that, that are going to create that, that experience is like, yeah, I, I can't wait to go back there. I can't like, I, you know, so, um, and then 2008 happened. Um, and yeah. <laughs> the I great session was the great end to, uh, that service brigade. So we went from, um, and you know, one, one of the things about the way that a program like that is, is built, obviously that's, that's hugely expensive for a restaurant to run a three man team for every single section. When the, the bottom fell out and, and, Basically, we were able to do that in the dining room because we had all of these corporate events that, you know, provided the, the establishment with a lot of revenue from the banquet side. And then you, you move that money into the dining room and the dining room is more like your, your uh, showpiece, right? That's, that's the thing you put on a pedestal. Like we, are the, we have the best dining room, but it's, it's expensive. It's a very expensive way to run a restaurant. And um, so in 2008, when all of the corporate money goes away, you can no longer do it. It's just, it's just not um, financially feasible. It was, I, it was a really tough time. I, I actually finished um, my, my degree in English literature at University of Washington in 2008. Got my, got my bachelor's degree in, uh, in 2008 and then was watching the thing that I loved um, just have to, you know, dissolve right in front of my face you know they they yeah. got rid of the three-man team um every every three months each quarter fire a new fe uh, food and beverage director because they weren't making numbers and it's like <laughs> for us who love that program and loved our guests that would come in there it was it was heartbreaking and you know from from a distance like and as somebody who's who's now been on the management side for a number of years like I understand it's a hard problem, right? And you don't know, you don't know when the ship's going to stop taking on water. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that from the corporate side, you come in, you're like, they're bleeding money. What do we do? How do we stop the bleeding? But for us, it's like, yeah, but how do you tell, how do you tell Mr. and Mrs. Adams who have been coming here for the entirety of this restaurant, that they don't get to have the, the same experience. Like, the, how do you tell someone that loves what you do? We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And, and we're not, we're not just shifting our concept, but we don't have the time to maintain that same level of execution. Like, mm -hmm. and we're not going to, we're not going to staff the same number of people. So, um, you know, I, I, that was time, that was time to go. What I will say about that transition is that, you know, in, in those trying times, there were opportunities for me to get more involved in the wine program. Um, I was asked to come in and, and, they, they had an amazing, um, it wasn't a wine cellar, it was a wine attic. Uh, all the wine was stored on the top floor. And, you know, inventory was a huge deal. Like going in and, and count at the end of every month, you count every single bottle. And so working with um, 
the, the uh, manager of the wine program and just being in there and, and looking at those bottles and, you know, you have those Rieslings that, that are 30 years old and, and you like, you don't touch them and, and you're just like, okay, I, I see two here. Are those the right ones? And, you know, you learn a sense of awe and the sense of respect and, and you, you sort of, you're able to understand that passion for, for a thing that, you know, is largely mysterious and largely like, Ooh, how do I, how do I get into that? How do I begin to understand what that's all about? Right. So during that time, um, I, there was a lot of opportunity for growth, um, in, in the wine program and, you know, hands-on experience about, okay, this is how it works. And this is the whole process of managing an inventory that, you know, is, is complicated and, and, um, there, there's things on that list that like probably will never sell, but the way that you build a list is you have to have those things that are like exciting to people and will draw them in. And even though somebody may not throw down for that, you know, $1,200 bottle, it's, it's cool to have that, right? It's, it's part of making people feel like there's infinite potential when they sit down in that restaurant. Right. And um, so th that was a really cool thing. Uh, and, and I was really happy to have that experience and be part of that. Um, but it was time to go when it was time to go. And I worked very briefly for um, C-Star, uh, the, the Seattle one. When I was living, I was living on Lower Queen Anne and I would walk um, <clears throat> actually through uh, the Seattle Center down to 6th Street. And, uh, you know, that was at, at 1230 at, at night on a <laughs> Friday or Saturday. I could, I could run into some interesting people on the street. Um, but I would, I would walk probably, you know, almost two miles and I just loved it. I, I remember it was, that when you were working there. How was that? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, that's when I got really serious about wine. Um, mm. The uh, director of the wine program there, Eric lead home, just the, one of the most uh, generous human beings as far as cultivating an environment where it's like, yeah, everyone can learn this and everyone in the industry ought to learn this. And yeah. um, so we were all, involved in a professional tasting group there. I uh, had other friends that I would work uh, at Salish with that invited me to tasting groups. We would, we would do one early on um, Monday mornings, like 10 a.m., six bottles of wine, and all in, all in paper bags. You, you taste them, you, you do your notes, and, and then you try not to embarrass yourself too bad because it's, it's nerve-wracking to sit at a table with other professionals and to be sipping on wine and being like, this is what I think that is. And this is why. And it's like, Oh, was I wrong? I wasn't even in the right ballpark. <laughs> is that even red? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that was, uh, really, uh, important time as far as gaining confidence in like, okay, not only can I talk about wine, but I can, I can help the other people coming up learn about wine and learn about like okay this is this is not only the sort of the touchy-feely artistic side of oh tasting notes and oh what's the difference between like when you say blueberry versus oh is that raspberry like what is, what is that all about and um i i have to admit that uh gary vaynerchuk who who is doing um uh, video um, daily tastings from Wine Library TV. He he was one of the ones that I watched to gain uh, gain confidence to be like, oh yeah, you actually go to the grocery store, you buy raspberries and blueberries and and pears, and and then you eat them while you drink the wine that that has the tasting notes, so mm -hmm. that you're sort of 
connecting your palate to the actual thing in the real world that you're talking about. It's and it's you're, like, you're, you're training yourself how to taste, basically. Right. Yeah. And it seems obvious, but, you know, you have to sort of be told, yeah, that's mm -hmm. when, when it says current. And if you don't know what a current is, well, go and, and find one, <laughs> right? <a> current. Find <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I got a call from um, the food and beverage director at Cedarbrook Lodge. Mm -hmm. And that's when our story comes together. We opened the Copperleaf restaurant uh, at the Cedarbrook Lodge, which yeah. um, another, yes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, just another interesting thing that happens in a time of recession. Um, the Cedarbrook Lodge was Washington Mutual's conference center. Um, it was a 10-year investment that didn't last 10 years for them. They went under and then it became a uh, hotel and um, turned that hotel into uh, one of the best restaurants in, in Seattle. And, uh, really? Yeah. It really? Yeah. It was a magical place. Um, and so that was... I was brought on as um, a lead in the dining room um, and uh, worked there for a while. Um, and then, you know, my, my tenure there was <laughs> a little bit on and off. Um, it was a very uh, high stress environment. Um, mm -hmm. I went, my timeline is actually a little bit different it was Cedarbrook and then C-Star for me. The first right. time I was at Cedarbrook, mm. I was a lead in the dining room. Then I went to C-Star. I got called back by that food and beverage director at Cedarbrook to mm. be the uh, food and beverage manager. Um, during that time, I ran the banquet program. I ran, I had to manage this guy here. <laughs> the bar program. I was, always, I was Joey's boss for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I ran the, the banquet program, the bar program, uh, the dining room. Uh, I was the wine buyer for the first time in my life, which, you know, I, I can't say enough um, how, what an honor and responsibility that is to, to be the wine buyer and to, to run a program. Um, I was in a very unique uh, situation where I was the one that was buying the spirits when Washington went from... Um, uh, all state run liquor stores to liquor being available in grocery stores and that whole transition. And, you know, it, w what a headache and, and a horrible piece of legislation that was written by, you know, <laughs> the powers that be for the powers that be <laughs> and not for the actual people that, you know, anyway, but I, I did a quick search. Um, the liquor tax in Washington state. Mm -hmm. Do you know this, Joey? Do you know what it, what it's at these days? Dude, it's, it's like, like combined twenty five percent or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about twenty percent. Mm -hmm. um, guess what it is in California? Huh, uh, like like five or something? Six. It's really low. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like yeah. there's a there's a website that I like to that I like to use and refer my friends to. Um, it's like a California wine seller, but they sell like a bunch of liquor too, and you can. You have a minimum of what you have to spend, but you can buy like a two hundred dollar case of liquor and and save yourself forty bucks. Right. No, it's, it's cheaper insane. to ship it up here than it is to pay the Washington tax. Probably yeah. shouldn't do that on a podcast, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know 
some things will get, maybe we'll just bleep you. <laughs> you know, I didn't say the name of anything, so people right. can uh, try to figure it out for themselves. <laughs> um, We're good. No, I mean, like, and, and so that's, that's one thing that I am surprised about um, being in this business is how much I love, um, loves, loves is not the right word, but when I'm confronted by a problem like that, where all of a sudden it's like, um, you know, I'm talking to all my reps that are selling liquor and, and they're like, yeah, things are changing. Um, and well, at that point they were about to sell liquor cause that, you know, before I would have to go to the, to the state run liquor store and, and, um, either pick it up myself off of uh, airport Boulevard or, you know, there, there were services that would run it to your, um, to your place. But, you know, definitely an interesting time. And it, I was surprised at how much I enjoy sort of puzzling those things out and, and being the one to say, yeah, are we really, are we really doing a service, you know, to anyone when we're, when we're trying to meet these margins that, you know, that, that you know, every, every place has its own financial needs. Right. And, and that, the markup was, was an interesting thing there. So that, that was, that was something that you have to wrestle with as a manager, right? When you sit down and you're like, well, what is a shot of Grey Goose going to cost in our restaurant versus if, if I'm downtown, you know, Seattle, what, what is somebody going to pay? And are we really, are we really being fair to our clientele if, if all of that doesn't add up and, and really trying to think through those problems when all of a sudden it got, way more expensive during that transition <laughs> all across the board way more expensive so um yeah, and you, you, to look into where we can cut costs and then they skyrocket honestly like oh i guess we have yeah. to increase costs um oh. but you know i i owe a huge debt of gratitude to um that that whole team uh joey included um for huh. for you know uh creating that and for um, allowing me to, to, to fail a lot. I, you know, that was my first time managing anything and, and just flying, flying by sheer terror sometimes and, <laughs> and sheer like will of like, I, I, know, yeah. I know what it should be, right? Having, having that vision of, I know what it needs to look like to be great yeah. But then the reality of like dealing with finding good people, finding the right talent, finding the right mix of like, are we, are we creating a program that's speaking to the guests that are coming through this door? Are we, is the concept of the restaurant matching our clientele? Mm -hmm. Like those are the problems that, you know, we're, we're really um, engaging and exciting um, you know, there was a lot of other problems that HR related of, of just interpersonality stuff and, and things about, you know, how, how teams form factions and, and all of a sudden it's like, what do you mean he's fighting with her? Like, I thought they were best friends. And all of a sudden it's yeah. like, you've got, you've got these interpersonal conflicts, like bleeding out onto the floor. And it's like, no, just get the job done. I, I can't, I can't. I can't put you in timeout because right now it's seven o'clock on a Saturday. There is no timeout. You go, you get the job done. Um, it's not so, a punishment. It's time to just work. 
<laughs> so, you know, the other thing about that was that was my first salaried position mm. where my days off were not my days off. I was always putting out fires. Yeah. I, my, my days would be 12 hours easily. And um, I, I just remember like there were those weekends where you'd finish a wedding on the Saturday night. And, and if I was lucky, I'd be home before two. Mm-hmm. And I was living on Lower Queen Anne, and I'd get home, and if there was something happening at the Seattle Center, there'd be no parking. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I would I would park in a place that, like, I would hope they wouldn't tow me, and I, would, I knew I'd probably get a ticket. And it's like, well, <laughs> if I get a ticket, then parking was 60 bucks this month or this week, you know? And this is like, <laughs> that's, that's the nature yeah. of living on Queen Anne, right? And you just, mm-hmm. you, you roll the dice, and you hope your car's there in the morning. Um, which sometimes it wasn't. I lost two Hondas living in Seattle. Oh, <laughs> they just disappeared, yeah. well, <laughs> as they do. I, think I lost one of them for you, too. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I bought it, so it was mine. Right, right. Um, RIP. So, you know, I there were, there was no work-life balance in that job, but the on the other side of that, after after... Uh, I was over two years in that, in that role. I've, I've been able to say, I uh, lived in Austin for two years um, while my wife was in grad school. And when we moved down there, I had, uh, yes, um, UT, hook'em horns or, hook'em horns. (laughs) I'm not your wife. You can, you can shut out the college at school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when I got down there, you know, I, I, I was able to, to select what restaurant I wanted to work at. You know, I, I was able to, you know, there was, I, I no longer had any uh, misgivings about my abilities or my confidence level. I, I, I was familiar with the industry on every level. Right. And, and there's, there's, um, you know, my, speaking of Marie, my wife, um, there, there were times when I was, when I was working, you know, 60 plus hours a week and, and every, every holiday, Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, every holiday, you're just, you're on the hook. Not only are you on the hook, but the, the pressure of those days, right? Like it's going through a holiday season in a restaurant and hotel like that when everybody's expectations are higher, right? Like everybody, oh, but you're ruining our Christmas dinner. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're the one who's ruining their <laughs> yeah. whole family's dinner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, I haven't had a day off in like three weeks. So, <laughs> but, yeah. but I, I don't, I don't mean to, like, I'm not the type of person, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard because you're working so much and, and the expectation is so high and it just, it's, it's relentless through December sometimes. And, and, you know, I just, I, I remember Marie turning to me at one point during that, during that time. And she's like, when, when do we get to have a Christmas morning? Like when, when do we have a life together? And, you know, that's, that's a really like, it's just a hard thing. And um, I've been fortunate enough in, in recent years that I've, I've worked at smaller restaurants that are family owned and operated that aren't attached to hotels. And that I've, I've had Christmas morning. <laughs> And, um, I've even, I've even had Christmas mornings at in-laws homes that are not in Sacramento or not where I'm living so that I can, I can actually travel. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. But in this industry, if I hadn't, if I hadn't 
really developed those skills and developed, you know, that, that confidence, then, you know, I wouldn't be in, in, in this situation where I have more ability to, to create a situ uh, a opportunity for me to say, Hey, I'm going to work in a place that doesn't serve on Christmas day. Like, um, I, I need that for my life. I need that for, um, a, a happy family life, you know, that, that, you know, um, we deserves that. I, we deserve that. So, but it's a hard thing. Okay. So we were, we were talking about job history. I think that was kind of the, how, how you got to where you are now. Um, which we've probably done a pretty, I feel like. Pretty, yeah. I, I feel like I talked a long time. New rules, like with COVID going on and everything. Um, mm. so normally at this point, we would I would jump over to the sidebar and make a cocktail, and we would give a history on said cocktail. Um, however, we're all just sitting here drinking wine in the comfort of our own homes. <laughs> so um, I think um, I'll pro I'm going to do a video. I'm going to do like a coronavirus kind of video about like maybe five different vodka cocktails you guys can make. Um, simple, something simple so you guys can make drinks at home. Um, so that will be the video that uh, pairs with this episode. Um, but as far as tasting notes, um, Kendall, you have such a vast, wide wine knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about talk about what you're drinking. <laughs> ah, so um, yeah, so I I'm the type of person that has had to make the hard choice to stop drinking spirits uh, because there's a point at which. Um, I don't remember what happens if I, if I, uh, indulge in, um, vodka or, or bourbon or anything that's pretty much that's been distilled. So, um, today, uh, I've got a little, um, PX Sherry, the Pedro Jimenez. Um, so Sherry, I think is one of those, um, often forgot, um, categories, you know, it, it is, this happens to be a, a sweet um, representation of sherry. Uh, there are some that are totally dry, like phenos that are, you know, really briny. They're, they're excellent with, if you got some olives and anchovies, they're like the perfect thing. Um, and <laughs> Joey's not a fan. Um, I'll and do anchovies, but don't like olives, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then you have sort of uh, medium um, sweetness. Uh, the Oloroso sometimes can can lean a little sweeter. Um, the you know just a great way to to end a meal if you're not looking for a lot of sugar. Um, this one tastes like a little bit of caramel. You got that brown sugar thing going on, um, and a little bit of uh, like cooked uh, fruit, almost that raisinated quality. Um, and so it is like a, um, um, like a, uh, a concentrated fruit almost like a little, yeah. like reduced down more intense flavor. Yes. Um, so one of the things about Sherry is they do a, what's called a Solera system where they've got different, um, barrels that have different years, uh, all, um, stacked up on to each other and they're blending those for consistency's sake. Mm -hmm. And um, what that allows them to do is that older, older wines are going to have more of those secondary characteristics where you get a little of that caramely quality, that um, nuttiness 
is going to come from um, older wine because it takes time to develop those flavors. And, and your fruit characteristics are going to come from the younger wine. So as they're bl blending that older um, uh, wine with the, with the younger wine, they're looking for consistent uh, bottle year after year. Um, sure. this, this particular one, the Oxford 1970, uh, the average wine in there are, is, is about 20 years old. Um, and it is a fortified wine, which means that they are adding a grape spirit, um, oftentimes brandy, to the um, fermenting wine uh, during that fermentation process, which, which is going to stop that fermentation. And what that does when you stop it is you still got a little bit more sugar that the yeast hasn't eaten up yet. And that's where you get an, an additional sweetness. Um, and it's just, you know, this is early in the day. I'm not... I'm not drinking um, a lot of it because it's uh, it's a little bit of a uh, sugar rush, um, <laughs> but it's but it's good with you know a bowl of cereal or or a little bit of oatmeal. Um, that uh, <laughs> sugar. it's not bad. Yeah, I like it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So next time you're out at a restaurant, say hey, what sherry's do you have? And if they don't have any, say get one. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really great um, right down the street from us. Um, Opus? I think it's called Opus. No, I'm asking. Brooke's not listening. She has her headphones on. Um, and we went there for our anniversary, like, it was right after I got laid off. And so it was right, it was like the day before restaurants closed. We went, we went out to, we went out for a nice, like, fine dining anniversary dinner, like, the last night you could, which was kind of fun. We're like, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that they had a, um, I'm, I'm sure they had some sherry available. I think we were just, we were doing a, we went in for a, a chef's menu and a wine pairing. And so we just had, we had like six, six glasses of wine with six courses and it was fantastic. Next time you guys come up here, we'll have to take you there. I think you'll love it. It was actually um, the closest food to like uh, copper leaves that I've had in, in a long time. So it's, uh, it was really, I was really happy about it. Um, awesome. Awesome. I love that. I, I, uh, I love new things. I haven't, I haven't been much of a sherry drinker, so I'm excited to get out and explore that world. Yeah. <clears throat> give me something, give me something new to try. No, totally. Well, and that, you know, I think dessert wines in general, a lot of people, somebody will put a ruby port in front of them that's just way too sweet. And that's their first experience with a dessert wine. And then from then on out, they're like, I don't drink dessert wine. And I, I, that, that really does a disservice to a category that offers a whole variety of, of different experiences. So, you know, I, one of, one you know, of the things I, that I always most look forward to is, is seeing what's available as far as um, dessert wines, especially because it's a category that, you know, there's still a lot of surprises even, even for me who, who's been at it for a lot of years. You know, it's like, oh, wow. Especially out of Australia, they're always doing something um, Sticky and sweet, which is yeah, delicious. yeah, fun down No rules, they just kind of go nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I, I have a well, I worked at a tequila bar for five years and have very similar conversations with people that had only ever had Cuervo when they were 18. <laughs> people misjudge alcohol based on one experience, and really, I just wanted to say that if you've had a bad experience on alcohol on a certain alcohol. And it was when you were in your late teens or early 20s, and you're now in your 30s or beyond, it might be time for a revisit 
Just don't go back and drink the same shit you drank before. Find a better version of that stuff and or educate yourself a little bit and you'll probably find that, that there's something to enjoy about it. So, oh, yes. Yeah. My, my first experience with tequila was one of those. Um, Damn. Yeah, absolutely. But then I had to work in a tequila bar for five years and I was like, I better learn how to like this stuff. And it yeah. only took like two weeks. I was really into it really fast. And then I was like, tequila is like, my shit like it is but so, it, it's really good and, and it's really diverse and complex and like if, if you jump down into the region of mexico and you break all of their spirits down um it's it's very you know it, it yeah you can have a lot of fun there's just so much to do and so much to taste and so many different things happening um that it's uh it's really a beautiful thing so yeah um and uh so i my my first experience with tequila i uh I was already blacked out when I got to it, which is a good question. Yeah, not a good start. And um, so the next day, my buddy who who had bought the fifth of tequila, he's like, Kendall, you owe me 35 bucks. I was like, (laughs) you drank a whole bottle of tequila. I was like, I don't remember any of that. But the whole day, (laughs) the whole day, I was just smelling smelling horrible. I was just sweating out that whole bottle that I had, I had consumed the night before. It was a, it was a bad day and it was, it was probably a very busy Saturday where it's just like, Oh no, everybody's going to think I'm just like covered. I'm just dousing myself in tequila because all I could smell was that horrible. Yeah. No, it's just coming out of your pores. You're, you're not covered in it. You're, you're, you're uh, radiating it, producing it. I also woke up with these bruises on both the like back sides of my hands. And somebody said that I did one of the like, <laughs> Jesus Christ poses like all the way back into a into you know hopefully not trust on the grass or something. But yeah, <laughs> trust ball. Yeah, nobody nobody was there to catch me. <laughs> so, fortunately, I had no memory of it, uh, but I did have the evidence on the on the bruise. <laughs> I don't remember it, but there was proof. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons I don't drink spirits anymore. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I have uh, I have some more stories. <laughs> Um, cool. So our next category actually jumps into such stories. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, you, you went there on your own. Uh, it's our it's our personal experience breakdown. Um, uh, just so we we just go into like so when you talked about like the industry and your restaurants and, and kind of like all the different places and jobs you've held. And th- this this is more on the people side of it. Favorite regulars, you know, um, grossest experiences. And then we'll get into a little more after some of this, but, um, you know, are, are there any, uh, are there like any, what would you say is one of your more memorable regulars over the years? Like with, um, so I, I actually, you know, being that the restaurant shut down, um, I have, I have this couple that comes and sits with me usually, usually every Thursday or Friday, um, has lunch with me. And, uh, when, um, he learned that I have a degree in English literature and like he, he gave me a whole list of things to read and I've been jamming through through this reading list and, and just a really, just, just a really just loving, genuine human being. Right. And, and one of those people that it's like, thank you so much for coming into my life. And, um, and he's, he's the type of person, um, that is so grateful, like, um, and, and his wife too is, is, is also just, just overwhelmingly just 
joyous, right? So anyway, for, for Christmas, um, I had tried to buy him this book that we had talked about, and there weren't very many copies left in print. And um, so I got him sort of, okay, the next one down, um, and like the, my, my number two pick. And he, he said he read it, and he, he absolutely loved it. And just that feeling of like, oh, like I, he enjoyed my recommendation of, of even like, not only are we talking about literature, but we're sharing it now. And, and he's given, he gave me this, this incredible book that I'm, I'm um, cruising through now. And it's just like, but the reason I bring them up is I never had a chance. I didn't know from the last time that I saw them last Thursday or Friday before the shutdown, I didn't know that we would be shut down and they live not too far from the restaurant. And so whenever I'm in the building, mm -hmm. sort of, you know, getting, getting the building ready to be, shut down or, or, or whatever, I'm looking out the window being like, okay, is he going to walk by? Is he going to walk by? Yeah. Because I just want to say thank you so much for coming and, and bringing me that, that, that little spark of, of friendship and joy that, that we've shared for mm -hmm. um, almost a year and a half when, when I see them every single week. And you know, those weeks where, where they have something going on and you don't see it, you, you like feel it. You're like, Oh, I, I hope they're doing all right. And you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, honestly, I think I think right now you bring, like, this is a normal question we ask, but then like I'm getting all emotional about it because I'm thinking about my regulars and like that's just like been part of my life, my everyday life is like just just these people you know that that come and you hang out with all week long and and uh, man, this is this is this is tough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's really there's really you're just missing like that just that energy and these people that you know you care about and they learn to care about you, but. Yeah, they're out there. Some of them listen to this, and so, so hi guys, I miss you. I love you. <laughs> well, I'll see you soon, some place or another. You know, one of the other challenges is like with with this phase of of where we're at, where you know we know that these next couple of weeks are are really sad and scary, right? Like mm -hmm. it, there there are going to be people close to us that are touched by this thing, and and that's. Yeah like it, it hurts. Right. And, and, and those people that, that were part of our life all, all week, like I, I am concerned for, for their safety and the safety of their loved, one, loved ones. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you feel that sense of, I, I, I have this, I have this feeling of the last two years of my professional life were the happiest and, and the most like, just, I mean, I, I was, I was the daytime manager and I actually had weekends off and, mm. and I, I had these habits where I, I felt like things were coming into place and to have that suddenly dissolve. It, it, it's such a, it's such a feeling of like, wow, that thought of, oh, this is too good to be true. And then, and then it really goes away. Right. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, that, <laughs> It, just just a bizarre feeling and you know i i've i've told this to the the people on the team numerous times it's like um so the waterboy restaurant where you know I'm, I'm currently at it's been here in sacramento for 24 years and and a lot of our team has been there the whole time or 10 plus years and like i i can't imagine going through this period with any other group of people like I, I, I love, I love this team. I, I love what we do. And I just, I, my, my heart breaks to, to think that 
we might not see it again, right? Like we, we might not be able to do that on the other side of this. Like whatever mm-hmm. happens because of, because of the shutdowns, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a big change. And, um, there really is. I mean, the, 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 the I don't know. I mean, as, as a culture, I think we're going to come out differently. Like as, as like a society of humans, <laughs> this is, this is, you know, you know, it's worldwide too and so it's affecting like everybody 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 there's yeah. not a person on this planet that is not going to be affected by this in one way or another um and so it'll really be interesting i think to see how because i mean we're the cool thing about humans is we're very um adaptable and we're very um you know stubborn when it comes to things and so when or you know we find a way to make you know to to succeed and to thrive you know through whatever hardships come our way i know that you know we're, we're gonna find a way you know we're gonna get through this all a bit, you know of course you know um part of that is to go through it though and so it's to experience it to acknowledge it to be very real to yourself and to your friends about what's going on and take the proper steps and get the fuck through it um yeah you know yeah. it's gonna affect our industry for sure you know my my boss is not gonna i i don't think we're gonna have you know he, to reopen, it would be one restaurant at a time. It wouldn't be 13 restaurants all at once. Um, and, you know, a slow process. And, and I right. think that's going to be that way for a lot of people. You know, you have, you have the, the single family, the mom and, you know, the individual restaurant owners and then the multiple restaurant owners, you know. They're, it's, it's, an, it's, it's something, you know, it's going to affect our industry. It's going to, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. I know that I know that people are going to eat out again. You know, we're going to have an opportunity to feed them and to hug them and yeah. do whatever we need to do. But uh, I'm interested to see like how that's going to be or what what the big effect is going to be. Yeah, and you know, for for fine dining especially, you know, our our clientele is 65 plus. You know, the, the there's there's a large portion of you know people that. Because um, our generation has different challenges, you know, relating to student loan debt and and difficulty owning homes, and so so our our generation doesn't have the same type of disposable income that you know the older generation does, right? And say say that in the next, I don't know, I don't even want to say a number because whatever number I say will be wrong. But when things slowly start to open up if you're in that group of people that's 65 and older and the the virus is still out there, why, why would you risk it? Right. So yeah. the, the reality of understanding that, that the, the people that are the bulk of my clientele are, are severely at risk. It's not necessarily, it, it, it's not a, even a question, right? Like they, they, should not expose themselves to that danger. And I would never want to be in a situation where I'm part of it. Right. Like we need to do the right thing because it's, it's life or death and there's no way around that. And um, so it's, but, but you're right. People adapt. And um, I tend to be a pessimist. Um, my, what keeps me up at night is the fact that the, the safety of essential workers all the way up the supply chain, we don't have the appropriate programs in place to make sure that the supply chain is secure. So that's what keeps me up at night right now. 
as far as where we're at um, dealing with coronavirus. And I, I mean, on top of just, just the sheer terror of the fact that our hospitals will be overrun mm-hmm. and the people that get sick will not be able to get the help that they need because we're not prepared, you know? Yeah. And like <laughs> you and I know what it's like in a restaurant when mm-hmm. you get that wave of people and you're like, Oh no, I, I didn't have my prep ready. This is going to, this is going to yeah. be bad. I mean, you know, we're just right. trying to feed them. We're not trying to save their lives. <laughs> right. right. Imagine what and it just would imagine be. that feeling when, when it is actually restaurants sometimes feel like life and death, but it's not, it's not, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's never, That's I mean, the emotion you're feeling. That's not the real experience. Yeah. There, there are situations where, you know, allergies could be life and death, but you know, that's, that's a different story, but you know, that, that, there's always a certain situation where someone could argue, but overall yes. the majority yeah. of the climate's not. <laughs> um, but just, just feeling that, that sense of like what nurses and doctors and people that are in the medical profession are facing and, and just, mm. just how, um, the, the trauma of that is, is going to be long lasting and, and the, the world that, that will be on the other side of this is going to be a very different place. And, um, you know, I, but again, it's that, that connection, like how do we stay close to the people that we have to be socially distanced from distance from, right? Like, you know, how do, how do we still maintain a sense of, right, right. But but maintain a sense of, of community and also um, I really feel like there needs to be a lot more conversation about understanding resources as not like a free for all. Oh, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to buy as much as I can to stock my pantry. But to think about okay, what are what are the pinch points of things that are harder to get? And how do we ensure that people who need it have, have access to what they need, right? I, sure. I have a nephew who um, it relies on oxygen um, and relies on medical supplies just every day because of uh, an inj- injury that, you know. And so the, the fact that medical supplies are, are in short, um, are harder to get, it, it mm-hmm. puts his life in danger. Right. And that's a really scary thing. Um, not to mention he um, has, has nurses that, that help him and they're exposed to the virus and that fear of, you know, it, if one of those nurses brought the, brought that virus into their home, that would be a very, very tragic thing. Right. And yeah. so just, just that feeling of sheer terror of like, there are ways to do this better than we're doing it. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting a lot worse. And, um, yeah. well, you know, I think like it's, it's getting, oh, <laughs> I think there's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's hard to say it's getting better. And I feel like there's, there's places that are seeing, progress which at least is something to to look at there's there's treatments that are working there's there's things that we're doing as a society that are working um you know uh like we were talking on the phone yesterday and i was telling you seattle you know well everybody seattle was one of the first cities hit in our country and we we started out really bad um yeah but i mean 
you, it's hard because you just compare against other cities that are doing worse too, right? So you're like, oh, we're not doing yeah. as bad as those guys. But at the same time, I feel like, um, you know, with the city shut down, for it's it's feeling, it's feeling like, it the it's it's slowed at least here. Like it's still spreading, yeah. but it's it's a lot slower than it was, you know, a month ago. Um, and so there's things that there's things that are kind of working right now. And I think you know we're we're as as long as we're you know remember to stay focused on 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 yourself right now. Like stay right. clean like your hygiene is very important <laughs> you know uh, when you're on public especially if you're going to the grocery store you know cover your face um i'm still you know we're, we're fortunate enough to live you know near near um a lake and so we we're taking walks there from time to time and there's there's still people out walking around you see them um you know but the crowds are, are getting thinner the, the groups are getting you know the People are standing farther apart from each other. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> just just holding on to a little bit of hope and knowing that, you know, there's going to be an end to this. And w when there is an end to it, I'm going to need to be at my best self to, you know, because I'm, you know, I, I could get, I could be scared of things or I could realize that I'm, I'm still an able-bodied person. And so I can offer, I have something to offer, you know, so <laughs> yeah, just trying to, my best to to keep the energy uh you know on, on the hopeful side at least because you know there's an end to all this there's a there's a way through and if if not you know then nobody will listen to this podcast i guess yeah. that's dumb. Well, no um, this podcast will be an artifact of a time gone by you yeah know? <laughs> yeah so society in a thousand years we'll find you could go out <laughs> to a place and and somebody would stand behind the the thing and and then put alcohol mm -hmm. in front of you that what a concept like <laughs> here's a question how how um fast do you think this is going to speed up the automation of of the working uh, you know of, of like our the american industry and like a lot of the places that were kind of holding off automation you know robots on assembly lines and that kind of stuff um i think as far as that goes we're probably going to see a big a big a big leap in in the the ai department that's my theory anyways. well yeah i mean that's that's one challenge that i'm facing right now as i'm i'm trying to figure out how to how to work this um curbside pickup that we're doing we're, we're taking everything day by day and, you know, we're, we're putting menus out and then taking, taking orders. Um, one of the things on my list this week is, is to investigate like, okay, what would online ordering look like for our restaurant and, and what are the pluses mm -hmm. and minuses of that? But one of the hard things um, about the whole process is that, you know, that, that curbside pickup because of the coronavirus you can't have the human element of the front of the house, right? You can't, mm -hmm. you can't sit there and say, Oh, it's great to see you again. And, and thank you. So, you know, you can, you can basically confirm that it's the right person, put the food in the car and let them be on their way because of safety. Right. Like, and, mm -hmm. and that's a really challenging thing. And, you know, this, um, last weekend was the first weekend that I was, I was running food out to cars and, you have certain guests that don't get it yet and they'll just waltz out of their car and come and try to talk to you. And it's like, you're backing away 
and trying yeah. to the appropriate space and they still come and and it's like these are the super fans these are the people that would come into our dining room two times a week right these are the people mm -hmm. that love what we do and to have to basically break every rule of hospitality of like being engaging and being present and, and putting your big stupid face in front of another human being and, and saying I'm here yeah. for you is the opposite everything of everything you've been taught your entire life <laughs> right yeah, yeah. it's so I have, there's, there's that group of guests, but I've also encountered guests that you can see the fear. And there was a situation where I had both hands full. I had hot food in my left hand and I had a bag of the salads and desserts in the other. And then, and they wouldn't even roll down their window to mm. let me know what they need, you know, like number one, to let me confirm that it's the right guest. And number two, it's like, okay, well, are you going to pop the trunk or what, what's going on here? I'm just standing. <laughs> How do I give you this? <laughs> I know that we got to keep our distance, but we also have to, there has to be the very minimal interaction of me getting the food in your vehicle. So, but, but people You're like, you do realize that I'm currently touching this, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I, I say that not to be like, oh, look how look how silly that guest was. I say that because right. people don't know how to behave because it's such a unique, right. it's such a unique situation, and it it is yeah. so scary. Yeah. And you know, Marie, she she's like, hey, you don't need to put yourself in danger. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. need to be interacting with the public even as minimally as as we are, right? Like I'm I'm really lucky that way. But there's just like you, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're young enough that, that we don't necessarily need to be worried, but we don't know if, if I got it, I don't, I don't know. Right. There's, you know, uh, my my brother-in-law works with somebody who got it, who's my age and he passed away. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's real, man. And yeah. like, it is very, very like, yeah. It, so it's, it's not meant to be taken lightly whatsoever. No. You know, it's, it's, no. a, but and that's, know, by by any age, like you're no, I don't, none of us are are immune. You know, you're not you're not just going to not catch it because of whatever age you are. I think that was the initial thought. That was some of the early. Um, talk. That was some you of the know, early. Definitely thing, right? So even if you catch it, people are more susceptible. You know, the you know the the older you are, you know, because of your possible weakened immune system. But that that, that doesn't you know really doesn't mean much. You know. Yeah, I mean, just because you don't know. Yeah, just because you don't know that you you there might be a respiratory issue that, that you've never encountered just because you never put yourself in a situation where your respiratory system was was under that much stress, right? Right. So and here's the thing: is like we we this is something we as a species haven't encountered before uh, at this level. We don't have antibodies for it. You know, it's not it's not like the flu in that aspect yeah. where we've been exposed yeah. to it our entire lives. You know, this is the first yeah. time we as we as a species have been exposed to this strain, um, specific yeah. strain, and, and you know that's that's kind of the results of it. But you know, so I mean, but, go ahead. So one of the, one of the things that like occurred to me recently, as I was you know manually every single credit card that that I processed this week, you know, you take the order of the phone, you get the information, and then you manually type in that credit card, and and you know anybody that's that's been in a situation where you got a full dining room and then you swipe a card and the the magnetic strip doesn't work and you got to manually type it in and it's like mm -hmm. I, I I process you know three hundred some payments recently manually typing every single number that when we're on the, the, other side, the old the old the old the old school credit card swiper no you can't swipe it because I can't touch it I can't swipe uh -huh. it because you can't touch uh -huh. it right that's the whole look point. at it and type it in 
Right. Yeah. yeah no, I don't even. <laughs> I, I get it over the phone. I don't. I don't interact with the phone at all. It's completely without transaction, yeah. right? Um, sure. So have you guys thought about moment, like? Can you guys? What, have you guys thought about getting on like one of the one of the apps like Grubhub or? Or yeah, that's what, or I, like that. so that's that's um, one of the things I have to deal with this week is is to look at what's the feasibility of you know what what sort of costs you know these um, these curbside meals it's like are they are they really gonna are they really gonna generate enough revenue that makes it worthwhile um, yeah it, just keeping your face in the public still and and also as as more and more people are either furloughed or laid off or there are there going to be enough people out there that feel like spending money on a three course meal from a, a nice restaurant is something that they need to be doing this time. Right. Like there's a lot of, we're taking it day by day and there's no answers. And you know, it, it, it's all, all of these things are, are intertwined. It's been really interesting. Um, well, but first back to, back to my whole thing about the credit card, right? The, the mm. day, the day I get to actually swipe a credit card through that machine again, the day I actually get to process a payment like I used to, that's going to be a really good day. Like I, I get to look forward to that because I had to do it this way, you know, during this time where yeah. I can't touch it. Right. So, um, but you know, that the other, the other piece of taking everything day by day, it, it just, um, it's really hard to know um, what the right thing is because, um, all of these, all of these economic and, and, um, public health issues are, tend to tend to be at odds with one another because mm -hmm. for me, I, I was told, so, uh, March 13th, Friday the 13th lives as this day that was like the last day where I woke up in the morning and I went to work and I had a, a more or less, it was a day like many others. That was my um, last shift in my bar. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, you sort of saw the clouds um, forming and, and you knew the storm was coming, but you, even, even at that point, and I've been thinking about coronavirus since January because I listen to marketplace, you know, um, mm. every single day in my walk home from work and Kai Rizdal has been saying, this is, this is going to be a huge economic um, disaster mm -hmm. uh, since January. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would have people sit down at the bar and they'd say, oh, is this an overreaction, right? And my response to that was, well, what happened in China was essentially, imagine us shutting down all commerce the week of Christmas and New Year's, mm -hmm. which in, in China, the, the, the New Year's celebrations that happened in January, that's their biggest season, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they had to do. They shut down all commerce during the busiest season. So I said, no, it's not an overreaction. This is, this is going to be huge. It's going to be very painful. Right. Um, in fact, on Friday the 13th, the last day that I woke up in the morning and went to work and things were more or less normal, very end of my day, somebody sat down and said, is this an overreaction? I mean, just, just the notion that that's where our country was at on mm -hmm. March 13th, because yeah. there's not clear direction from the people who ought to know, the right. people that have the best information, the best people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I it 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 I don't have a lot of hair left to pull out, but but you know, <laughs> here I am pulling it out, right? Like it's it's we do not have to be where we are right now. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, I agree. 
but then that just kind of leaves us on on an individual level i mean it's that's that's just another one of those things right it's so i mean with with our access to information these days and 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 just kind of unlimited you know it's it's so easy to take on a a big view like that and then let it like let that weight just kind of sit on your chest and just yeah. feel it um you know uh, you know it's 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 real i mean it's yeah, taking a real look at, at kind know. of what's happening and how it's affecting our, our our world our lives and our i mean our normal our normal is po quite possibly never going to be that way again like that that's a very real thing that like we 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 look at we look at a different world now like it's just you know we have the world before coronavirus and the world after coronavirus and how it affects us and how um you know it's, been, it's yeah cool what's next my friend <laughs> next um okay oh one of my favorite questions is the my self-care question so um especially especially yeah, I mean, in today's yeah. world you know what do you, what do you do to kind of uh, yeah balance your stress out and manage so, that shit? um Early, earlier this year, the kitchen team had just started writing quotes on the um, whiteboard, the same board that they do the daily specials. Mm -hmm. And um, I love when they do that, by the way. That's one of my favorite things. They have yeah, a I mean, you know, from, from all, like some from, you know, philosophers, some from Anthony Bourdain, some, you know, some, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever they were in the mood for, it would be on the board and you just have this thought for the day. Um, the last one that was on the board was, uh, there's only three things that really matter. Um, how much you've loved, uh, how gently you lived and how gracefully you let things go. Um, and that was the last day. Fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, I like that. And, uh, so to the guys in the kitchen, who were, you know, they were, they were some of the ones that were writing these quotes on the board. I was like, let's keep sending, sending each other quotes. And so I have got, I've got a text thread and every day, um, every day we send texts of, of just quotes that are sometimes inspirational, sometimes are just like, yeah, you know, this is representing like how we're feeling or, or what we're going through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Shout out to the former restaurant text thread, by the way, because I'm I'm a member of a couple of those just, just, <laughs> just text groups of like people that I work with, where we're texting every single day about the stupidest Tiger King bullshit. And, oh, oh, yeah, and it, it, it keeps a smile on my face in the best. Well, way. especially especially as my my current establishment doesn't have any HR. And so it's not as it's not as nerve wracking as other places where it's like, why are you doing this when it's like all of your employees are on a text thread and you know. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, there's there could be a whole podcast about what happens on those text threads. Oh my gosh! Like, I, I, I guarantee you, every single restaurant that has been shut down has a text thread of of at least like a few of the servers are in a group together, or some of the cooks are in a group together, or. A combination of that like it, it that 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 is very much something that's happening across the country for just about every single restaurant right now which is yeah. which is a fun thought <laughs> to yeah. know that people are still 
finding a way to stay connected and try to lift each other's spirits in one way or another. Yeah. I, I, I had a, um, in, in my restaurant, um, we all have iPhones. And so we did a, uh, we did a, a happy hour the other night where we, we just did a FaceTime chat where everybody yeah. got on and we just That's sat awesome. there and, and, you know, and hugged each other and laughed and talked about stupid shit. And it was, it was, uh, it went on for like almost two hours. It was ridiculous, but it was really great. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. That's great, man. That's it's, yeah. Keep keeping yeah. keeping in touch with 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 those in your life that have um, a, a a beautiful perspective and 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 uh, find beauty in in the darkness. Yeah, and you know it's it's one of those things where I like I said before I I can't imagine going through this with any other group of people. Like mm. I I I love. I love this team that, that I'm a part of. And, and, um, it's, it's hard, like knowing, knowing each struggle from, you know, every, everyone's different and maintaining that perspective of like, this isn't happening to me. Right. Yeah. Like this is happening to everyone. To all and, of us. And so, so there, there is a lot of comfort in knowing that like, if I'm having a bad day, like it's not, it's not just me. And, mm. and when I start to feel that feeling of, of, you know, despair or just, just that stress, like you're saying, it sits on your chest and it keeps mm. you up at night. And you just, um, knowing thing, though, it's not it's, you. It's not you, man. And, and when you yeah. feel that despair, you know, that that's, that's one of the things I love about these little chat groups that we have is like, you know, you get enough people in it and somebody's always awake too. And so you just, yeah. you just say something, you're like, ah, I feel shitty right now. And then somebody's like, shut up, nerd. You know, and then, <laughs> and then you start laughing and you know, and then you're just like, oh shit, it's three in the morning. But at least, at yeah. least we can all go through this together in one way or another. We're, you know, as, as, as far apart from each other as we all are, you know, there's still, you know, we're still, it's pretty amazing that we're still able to talk and communicate and see each other's beautiful faces. <laughs> Yeah. Unless we have shitty internet connections and then you don't get to see mine. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still smiling to both of you guys though. It's, it's just, it's so nice to see my friends and man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that it, it is amazing how important that is. And, you know, yesterday when you and I had sort of anticipated what we were going to talk about, a lot of it was thinking about those people, you know, um, a lot of people in this industry do struggle with uh, drinking too much and mm -hmm. with other substance abuse and mental health issues. And, you know, really the importance of, of leaning on each other. And, and if, if you're feeling, if you're feeling that despair and it, and if you're in a place where you need help, call someone, yeah. you know, yeah, it's so easy to feel alone right now because we're all alone. And it, it's like, man, that's like, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really, 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 really fucking hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, like you said, just <laughs> when it, when it gets to the point of feeling hard, think about the last person you talked to. Yeah. And if it's been more than a day or two days since that happened, reach out to somebody because yeah. it, man, it, it gets so much better when you can share your experience with someone. I mean, it, you get lost in your own head and you can like, nobody's going to be meaner to you than yourself. Nobody's right. going to make you feel worse about a situation than your own brain. It's yeah. Well, and you know, it's like, I, one of those things about that, that connection you have 
with the people that you work with in, in, in a restaurant or, or in a bar is, is, you know, they do feel like family, but this has been a rare time where it's like, I, I really feel that people, I do know people better now than, than ever, because it's like, Oh, so, so your father was traveling when the, the band travel ban went into effect. Is he okay? Is he home safe? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you know, you have, you have a, a sibling that, that has to get a Corona test. How are they doing? How did that turn out? Like, you know, it's touching everybody's life and mm -hmm. everybody is dealing with a different type of stress, but it's all the same overarching, you know, um, you stress, know, right? You know, the magical thing about it is as terrible as it all is, it gives us all a shared experience that we can all relate to. Yeah. So now, and so now <laughs> you could like for, for those that get social anxiety, you can have a conversation with anybody in the world at this point and just say, Hey, what'd you do during coronavirus? <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it is a human shared experience. All That's right. Uh, this is just the time where I, where I like to take what used to be our, our bitch sesh where we would, where we would just uh, be aggravated by things that people did. And this is where we add, um, uh, another step onto that. Yeah. So, you know, I, it, it's one of those things where you and I talked about this yesterday and, and I wrote a bunch of stuff down and, and given the current state of, of things, it's sort of like, yeah, these are small, these are small. Yeah, this is, this is hard to do because we literally don't have an industry right now to improve. Mm -hmm. But I, I, what, one of the things I think it, it is a good life lesson is, um, you know, that as far as, let's start with tips for people in the industry. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me, and it's, it's a hard thing is that you got to remember that you're all on the same team. Like, and what I mean by that is that, you know, the front of the house sometimes gets real tense with the back of the house. You, you have, a lot of stresses that happen in the kitchen that, you know, servers are like, Oh, chef was so mean to me today. And Oh, yeah. like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, yes. Yeah. You know, people, you see people under stress and, and sometimes they handle that in varying degrees of, you know, um, grace and poise and all of that. Right. But mm. If you enter that role, whatever role you're in, in that, in that restaurant with the sense of we are here for one goal and that goal is to make sure that everybody that comes through that door feels like we were there to give them the best time that they could possibly have in, in this little room, right? Like mm -hmm. we, we want that guest that's sitting in our, in our dining room or sitting at our bar to feel like I all of my needs were, were thought about and taken care of and I had a great time. Um, and so you're all on the same team trying to pull the same, you're, you're moving in the same direction. And so the most, the most frustrating part for me are those days where it's like, Hey, don't, don't run the other way. We're all running towards the same end zone, right? Yeah. Like you're not, you're not helping if, if this becomes about, Oh, somebody said something that, that rubbed me the wrong way or, Oh, I, you know, and everybody has to own that role in it, right? Like I'm on your, if, if I'm on the floor, I'm on your team. And if the kitchen needs something and, and we're not, we're not able to communicate clearly enough, or we're not able to, to get it out 
appropriately, you know, fast enough, hot enough, like we need to adjust. Right. And you know, the, the back of the house has their role in that as well, but to come to the table every single day, ready to go and say, I'm on your team. I'm, I'm not here for myself. I'm not here for my tips. I'm not here for any other reason, but we've got one goal. And that goal is to execute at the absolute highest level. But you have to you have to show up ready to deliver. You got to bring it, and um, you know, and it, it's something that every single person struggles with, right? Like because mm-hmm. you have days that it's like ah, it's it's towards the it's the last half an hour that I, you know I think that I'm I'm going to be getting guests, and you get that table that sits is like oh wow, this is. And it's like no, they they can't know that that you wanted to that you wanted to clock out at four thirty, and you, now you're going to be here until six. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. Or you know, you wanted to be gone by eleven, now you're going to be here at twelve thirty. Like no, none of none of that matters. If they're in our dining room, we're going to take care of them. That's our role. Like that's yeah. the only thing that matters. Um, I guess those are my tips. Nice, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Those are good tips. Um. Oh, and then tips for diners, huh? Yeah. Number one, try try something just a little bit outside your comfort zone and, and ask your server what that is. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if somebody sits down and they're like, hey, I really, really love Rombauer Chardonnay, but I'm, I'm curious about something else. Something like, else. Yeah, I've got something, I've got for, something you. for you. Here's, here's a Chardonnay that's, that's big. Mm-hmm. And, and it has similar fruit profile, but it's not as buttery. It's not, it's not relying on the oak as much. It's going to be, I, I think you're really going to love it. And it's going to pair with that food really, really well, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're just that sense of when you sit down in a place, like really try something that's just a little bit outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's, you know, knowing that sometimes sometimes it's not going to really be a good fit, but at least you'll know, mm-hmm. like, um, especially when I think about like, there are categories in the beverage world, like sparkling wine is something that is done in so many different styles in so many different ways, but people think, Oh, you drink champagne on new year's Eve, new year's Eve. And that's it. Right. It's called <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, we serve that sparkling, um, Gernervaliner that like, it just provided, it, it was such a different experience and, and it brought something to the table that was like surprising and, and somebody would step away going, I've never had that before. Like, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. An experience and, away from something. Yeah, it wasn't just like the same flavors that they've always had. You're able to introduce something new. Right. And exciting right. to somebody. So, so I think, I think, you know, just, just like when, Going out to, to, especially in, in fine dining where it's like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of investment to create a wine program. A, a wine list is something that, that is, is thought about a lot. You know, it's, it's not, it's not haphazard. Like these things are, are deliberate. Somebody has made very specific choices about them. So like say, Hey, I, I had this recently. And I loved it. What, what does your program do? Well, what sort of is going to fit, something like that need but not be that exact same thing and mm-hmm. just come with a spirit of curiosity and just be open to what the restaurant has to offer really, right right, right. Yeah. Um, so many people come into restaurants i feel like with with an idea of what they like and what they're looking for and that's really hard to do in a niche restaurant where you offer something specific 
and you really just right. want people to yep. be open to what you have to offer. Yep. And you're like, look, I don't have hot dogs and Bud Light. Like we, <laughs> yeah, we do something yep. different here. Can yep. can you give us a chance to be, give us a chance to blow your mind? You know, you might right. really like what we right. do. If you don't like what we do, then fuck, that sucks. But like, yep. that's what we do. So, I mean, <laughs> yep. let us do it. And then I, I think, I think the other thing that, that I appreciate when a diner like is sort of that amateur, you know, they, they want to, they want to also learn some, some secrets in the kitchen. Like I, I think cooking at home for people that go to fine dining is, is sort of like an art appreciation class sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, cause, cause if somebody's at home trying to, trying to recreate something that they had and, and they yeah. learn just like, just how, how great that divide between, okay, I, I can make, I can make a delicious steak, but is it going to taste like the steak that I'm going to get at, you know, that, that restaurant that, that I, I love to go to? No. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that is, is again, all of those principles of consistency. Well, it's because you don't have veal stock to make the proper. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, the stock pots that, you know, the stock pots that, that are reduced for over, you know, you got overnight and, and, and they reduced down like three gallons. Yeah. Worth of liquid. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, it, it's not something that, that you're going to do at home unless, mm. unless you're really obsessive and, and, you know, it's and so, spend a lot of money on veal stock because that's yep. just much um but but yeah I, I think that spirit of of um curiosity and and thinking of especially fine dining as as you know uh, experiencing art and and sometimes sometimes an artist will put something in front of you that that isn't isn't your deal and and you don't love it but that doesn't mean that necessarily that it's um that that reveals something about you and, and what your needs are. And, mm -hmm. you know, also if, if you sit in, in my restaurant and, and you're not digging something, let somebody know. Yeah, please, please, please. please. If you're yeah, in a restaurant, please, let somebody know because, because <laughs> we love, you know, I, I, um, this last Christmas season, like I just remember this day where we were just getting pelted and it was just it was so in the weeds and, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy shaking the cocktails and there were these two cocktails I just couldn't get to for the life of me. And, uh, and, and I got them down and, you know, I, I let them know, Hey, I know these took way too long. These ones are on me. And then at the end of the meal, I, I talked to him again. I'm like, Hey, you know, thank you so much for being here. Uh, how, how was everything? And they're like, you know, you guys recovered so well. And, and that's the best mm -hmm. feeling of yeah. just like, Hey, you know, on, on our end, on the front of the house side, it's our responsibility to know if it's not right. Mm -hmm. And then on, on the diner side, like if, if you don't let us know and, and we don't see it, like we can't help you. But, yeah. but the minute, the minute there's, there's something that's brought to our attention, we have to act. We, we have all the tools to make it right. You know, and, and making it right isn't isn't giving away free stuff. Making it right sometimes is like, hey, I, I appreciate that you're here. This this meal didn't go the way that that I would have hoped to. Like, mm -hmm. can can I invite you by can I invite you back? Like yeah. we want to make it right. You yeah, know, like, and, and just time. just that connection of like I I see I see what happened here and and like we're gonna do our part, right? And because people make mistakes. 
there are times that you can't be in control of everything. That was our recommend. Wait, no, no, that was improve the industry, right? That was our teachable moments. Mm -hmm. Next section is our secrets of the industry. So it's our recommendations. Ah. Um, so do you have any, again, weird time, so it's hard to recommend stuff. Yeah, yeah. So for people on the pandemic currently, let's, let's do a current recommendation. What would you recommend to people right now? Like people that are staying indoors and they're trying to cook their own food, they're trying to make their own drinks, they're getting bored with it, they're looking to the internet for ideas. Uh, what, do you, what would you recommend? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, number one, I would say stay safe, whatever, whatever you do, be respectful of, of creating that, that appropriate space when, when you are doing a curbside pickup, when you're, when you're interacting with anyone, just, just know that everyone's afraid right now. And, and that, that creates a, a, a huge challenge. And, you know, I felt really fortunate like I said, this last weekend was the first time that I was doing the curbside pickup thing. And, and it's just, it feels so crazy, right? It's just, it's like, how, how do I maintain a, a sense of, a sense of composure and a sense of like normalcy when it, when it really feels like the end of the world, in a way, right? Like yeah. the, our industry is, is, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the same. And, um, but you know, that, that sense of, you need every everyone who is is dining out curbside right now needs to really consider the fact that like yes we need to support local restaurants yes yes that's an important task but none of that none of the economic stuff comes before the public health stuff and if if you or someone that you love is you know potentially going to be put at risk because you went out then then you know do what's best for your family before the economic piece and that's that's the part where i i feel like we in this country have had it upside down the whole time right mm -hmm. that you know back when when our president was saying oh we'll be open again by easter it's like yeah no we're not the, that economic piece doesn't mean anything if if the public health piece isn't isn't figured out. And um, I know that the challenges that we're going to face this month, as people really start to feel like the the itch to be out in the world, and 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 bar owners that are right now making good decisions and, and not allowing people inside their bars and doing curbside and trying to keep the lights on are going to get frustrated. And there's going to be, there's going to be a wide array of actors that are more um, strict about the following the guidelines and then places that are less concerned about the guidelines. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is not something that anyone can mess around with. This is, yeah. this is the real deal. And, yeah, it's fucking and, serious. Like, um, so the, um, the day that I was told we're closing the restaurant, I come home and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a block and a half from a Rite Aid. And it was like, I'm going to go buy some Oreos. And <laughs> like, Oreos? that's my, that's my poison. Got some double I gave up, I gave up bourbon, but I'm going to eat some Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
So anyway, Marie and I go to Rite Aid and, and we get some Oreos and we were just looking for a couple of things um, to, you know, because it's a drugstore to, to fill the medicine cabinet and all this. Mm-hmm. We come home and um, Marie says to me, you know, these one-off trips to the drugstore, they have to stop. And yeah. like, yeah. I, I got all bristly because I'll, I'll, what I was thinking was like the money piece. Oh, we can't, we can't even buy it. But no. She was thinking about the public health piece, right? Yeah, the, your like, exposure to it. Yeah, the, the yeah. fact that like there's there's no reason to go to the drugstore on a one-off trip mm-hmm. if it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as much as a bag of Oreos on the day that you got laid off is is a reasonable thing, it might not be reasonable in these particular times. So yeah. you know, um, that's good the, advice. Like we we've really been trying to limit our. We're just trying to go to the grocery store like once a week. Like we. I mean, once a week is probably too much, honestly, but like, it's just kind of, it's been our normal and like going, (laughs) and we we went more than that. So if we just go once a week now and we can plan out our entire week, then you're limiting your exposure too, right? And so if you, you you know, our our next goal is once, once we start depleting things a little bit more is to make a Costco trip and try to make that last a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But again, like living in an apartment in Seattle with 800 square feet, with no kind of like we have a refrigerator with a freezer on top of it, like a standard normal thing that yeah. everybody has that rents, you know, we don't have a chest freezer, so we can't go out and get a bunch of bread and meat and just save it for months. Yeah. Um, and so there, there is, you know, our, our freezer, every time we go shopping, our freezer is stuffed to the gills and then we live off that for as long as we can. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, Oh, Oh, Hey, Pork, mm-hmm. like pork tenderloins on sale. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, that's yeah, but if you can... and, and then, so, so Marie and I had been meal preppers for the last year as, as part mm-hmm. of saving for down payment, you know, which yeah. is something that we were really serious and still, you know, honestly, that's, that's a really good work. intentional thing to do yeah. like in, in general for anyone is be a yeah. meal prepper and plan your weekend and figure out what you're going to eat for dinner and lunch. And, and one of the things that we learned was that all of a sudden when we were delivered about those choices, we didn't have like greens in the fridge that we had every intention of, of eating. No, mm-hmm. we, we ate the stuff because we, we were delivered about, it. we thought about it and we're like, okay, well for, for lunch, we're doing chicken breast and we're doing these, you know, um, micro, like the, the super green mix. Like that's, that's going to be lunch for this week. Right. And, and all of a sudden we're actually spending, we're spending way less money because we're not going out. And, our evenings Same. feel like they're ours. Like you don't have that. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like, oh, what are we going to eat tonight? Oh, and oh, then then it's like, do you want Thai? No, I don't want. We just did that. Oh, yeah, do you want? Yeah, you don't do you have want that forty-five minute conversation. Oh, I don't like that fuss spot. So, <laughs> but no, and and this is a serious recommendation right now. Look, I I am concerned about as this goes along the the interruptions in the supply chain and there will be things that will surprise us um there's going to be things that we're going to have to we're going to have to continue adapting so the the challenge that we're facing right now mm-hmm. is there's there's much greater demand for um products that are sold in the grocery store mm-hmm. and there's no demand for you know restaurant um, purchases, right? Purchases in larger quantities um, that were a huge part. So I just I just read a Forbes article about the dairy industry, about those those people that that those um, plants that would deliver in bulk 
yes, they have the product, but they don't have the packaging. And the, the hiccup right now is um, the trucking industry is, is having a very hard time because mm-hmm. what happens when you can't stop on the side of the road and go inside a Taco Bell? Well, if you're in a semi-truck, guess what? You cannot do drive-thru. Mm-hmm. So, you know, drive through now? I thought drive throughs are still open. But you can't, if, if you're 18 wheeler, too tall, you're too tall, right? You can't fit through. So, you got to walk inside and you can't right. walk inside. So, they're just going to have to open up their restrictions on drive through right. and let you walk through. So, but the, the, that's one problem that mm-hmm. seems to have that solution, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's the other problem mm-hmm. the demand has gone up for, you know, um, meat processing places, the, the mm-hmm. foster farms of the world, the, the big suppliers of, of pork and beef to the grocery stores, right? Demand is way up because yeah. nobody can go to the restaurant. <laughs> but in those processing plants, you are dealing with largely undocumented workers mm-hmm. who have no health benefits. Yeah. You're dealing with conditions where obviously, because demand is high, they're working a lot of hours. And so they're not protected. And because nobody's being tested the way that we need to test everybody in mass, it's, it's, they're going to be, they're going to be major interruptions in the processing of that's, that's one aspect. Obviously um, our produce has other problems, right? Sure. The, the two, one of, one of the problems of produce is similar. You have largely undocumented workers that are harvesting our produce mm-hmm. and why are they not protected? Well, because this country doesn't seem to understand the supply chain and how to take care of the people that actually do the hard work. Number two, in the grocery store, people are hesitant to purchase that produce because it's just out there on display. So you don't know if somebody walked by, picked up an apple, put it back down, and that apple is going to be safe to consume. Now, the upside of that is that there's no evidence as far as we know, and you know, I'm again, I'm a restaurant manager. This is all, this is all just my extracurricular study, but there's, there's no, there's no documented cases of coronavirus spread through food, um, Mm. which is, which is good for, well, the big part of it too is, is, you know, proper handling of food, right? So you wash your produce. If, even if you touch an apple that has coronavirus on it, you wash right. that apple and you wash your hands before you yeah. rub your hand all over yep. your face. Yeah, fine. It's fine. You washed it off. Yep. So I mean, there, it, it, things will be contaminated. Everything's going to get contaminated. We're all, we're all as a species going to be exposed to this disease right. at one point or another. Right. Get o- get over it. Just just know that that's going to that's going to happen, and it's, it's part of life. It's 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 that widespread and it's that common that like if you're not exposed to it yet, it's going to happen at some point. I guarantee yeah. it. It's like chicken pox. If it, you know, it, it's there's there's no way around it. It's just a matter of doing your best in the meantime, or doing your best to to help you, you know, prepare for it. Or you know, that's I'm not going to say it's coming and it's going to knock at your door, but like whether whether it's going to affect you or someone you know, it's going to affect that that affects, you, right? Yeah, and and the the whole thing that we're going through right now is making sure that for the people that have life-threatening complications from it, mm. making sure that when that happens, there's a hospital bed for them, right? 
because yeah. if everybody got it all at once and all of those people that had complications needed ICU all at the same time, then that's what we saw in, in Italy. That's what New York mm -hmm. is going through right now. And that's, that's the, that's the real nightmare. So the reason okay. that, that I'm, I'm sitting here at home instead of at work, like I want to be mm -hmm. is because the longer it takes for everybody to be exposed, the greater chance we have of helping those people who yeah. do need the ventilators and the ICU, right? And, and that, is, that is not a clear message that has been sent by um, the, the White House briefing. That, that's, that's not like, this is what we should have been talking about early in February, mm -hmm. right? Early is, early is. This administration has 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 done uh, an abysmal job of, of handling yep. this crisis, and I'm I'm really disappointed in in uh, in the level of which they've conducted themselves. Uh, but I'm also encouraged in seeing the the statewide uh, level of of at least you know at least the the states where it's happening to see the leaders in those places step up, yeah, and and be true leaders and and you know really you know, uh, encourage their people, help their people, bring in the help that their people need. Um, it, it seems that there's always, there's always that Mr. Rogers quote that, that I kind of live by in times like this. Is, uh, when, whenever you see peril and death and sadness and sickness and, and loss of hope, um, you know, use your energy to find the helpers, you know, f uh, focus on the people that are giving, you know, something and the people that are lifting up those around them. Like that, those are the people that we should all strive to be. And we should all look yeah. at as, as mentors and leaders are the people that are stepping up in this crisis, not the people that are passing the buck, you know? And so it's really in a time of crisis that you actually see who a real leader is. Right. You, know, you can call yourself a leader all you want until that's challenged. And once that's challenged, we, we can tell, like, you know, what – you feel it in your stomach. Yeah. We know what's good and what's wrong. Um, and so, you know, that, that's the encouraging thing to me is just is, – is seeing, is seeing the positive forces rise up and, and trying to be one of the – Right, right, yeah. And, you, you know, know, like, I and, – and that's the, the next step of, like – how how do how do I as somebody who had the rug pulled out from under me, and was doing was doing a job that I loved and and doing a job that you know contributed to my community and in, in in a way that like I was proud of, but I I can't do that now because of the because of these circumstances. So mm -hmm. how do I find a new avenue to put that energy and you know I. I I want to be helpful and, but, but also I need to be safe. And, and Marie is very much the advocate for you need to be safe. And yeah, so like, I agree. I my first impulse, yeah, my first impulse when I, when I heard the restaurant shutting down, it's like, okay, well, do I get a job at a grocery store? Because mm -hmm. I, I, at, at this point in time, is it, is it worth put, putting myself in danger in, mm -hmm. in a situation where, um, we're going to be okay right now financially. Like, like I was saying, I'm saving for a down payment. Like, you know, there that's, it's not urgent that I move right now. So, yeah. and anyway, it's there, there are no, look, none of this is easy. 
Mm-hmm. None of this is, is, is going to just go away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We all need to come together and really, really be very thoughtful about what our needs are, are and how we can help each other. So yeah, it, it's, it's a scary time, but I, you know, I would say be prepared because it's going to get, as, as my boss says right now, he's like, it's going to get weirder. It's going to get weirder. It's going to yeah. get weirder. Totally is. You know, yeah. we're going to be, a, I think, I think, uh, I think we're going to come out of it. We, those of us in our own sheltered communities need to understand that those resources are, are finite that mm-hmm. as much as we want to say this supply chain is going to continue to just make produce and, and protein magically appear in the, in the grocery store. That's all of that. All of that is precarious, right? All of that. It's all hanging by a thread right now. And, and so all we can do is be very thoughtful about the choices that we make yeah. to prepare ourselves so that like, Hey, look, if, if things got really, really bad for a month, do I have enough food in, in my fridge and the freezer to get through? Yes. Yeah. But you know, does that mean that I need to, I need to go buy up every, every mask and glove that I can so that those that really need those things don't have, no, that's not, that's not what we can do, but to be very thoughtful and, and very, um, aware that everybody is dealing with this. Everybody is fighting right now. And, yeah. and you know, there's, there's no, there's no easy answers. So, all right. How do you, how do you usually end one of these things, Jerry? Um, that's, that's a, it's a good note because the next note or the next, uh, section on my, uh, on my list here is last call. Last call. <laughs> last call for your last drink here. Yeah. Here's a little, uh, uh, cheers. I ran a sherry a while ago. I still have like almost a glass left of wine. But I had a beer in there too. So. Yeah. All right. That was the last call. So we had our drinks. We shared our stories. Uh, this is our last call. And I know you just say, here's your shot, but that's a, here's your last drink of wine. <laughs> and now's your shot to talk about your projects, uh, social medias, in any way that you want people to. No, uh, I should just say this is your platform to talk about anything that's important to you or something for people to contact. If you want to be contacted, put that out there. If you want to just share like something about your restaurant or something else. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm at the Waterboy Restaurant. Um, you can find us at waterboyrestaurant.com here in Sacramento. Um, we're taking it day by day. So uh, we're doing this week, we're doing to-go menus from Friday through Sunday. Um, pre-orders we're doing uh, tomorrow and Thursday, hopefully. And um, yeah. Does, uh, uh, does your restaurant have social media presence? Uh, yes. Um, that That's the website, the waterboyrestaurant.com. Okay. Um, also, Let's Eat Pizza, best pizza in town. Um, check that out as well. Their menus are, are have been mostly uh, Facebook because um, we're real flexible there as well, but their hours are pretty um, steady at uh, 11 to eight Tuesday through Saturday right now. So. Nice. Awesome. Um, so if you're down in that area, go get some food from people that are still making it, please. Like, yep. And uh, they're there for you. you. Know, uh, we're doing everything we can for appropriate social distancing. So we'll get your payment beforehand. You don't have to pass a credit card back and forth and uh, you know, 
come get a delicious meal. Awesome. Well, I guess that, that wraps up one more life from the well. Um, thanks to all of our wonderful listeners. Um, we love you guys. Thanks for staying indoors. Please continue to stay indoors and not intermingle and, and uh, do all that. Um, thank you for listening to our podcast. We're going to keep putting them out as consistently as we possibly can. There's a way to do this. And so we're going to keep giving you content. Um, it's, it's really, it's really like one of the only areas that I have to put my focus right now. And so you're probably going to get a little more than you normally do. Um, thank you, Kendall, for coming on and taking your time out of your, out of your, uh, your Tuesday. I think you're taking time out of your Tuesday afternoon to hang out with us for four hours and shoot the shit and talk and, and just be an all around good friend and share your great stories with us. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you to uh, the Den Mother for, for being here and being part of this. And, and, uh, and everyone, uh, Brian and Peter, we love you guys. You're out there and you're part of this show too. And thanks for being part of it. Um, uh, until next time, cheers to all of you out there. Um, shout out to our sponsors, Barfly for all of our gear, Scratch Distillery for, for our spirits. Um, we love you guys and you're delicious. Um, Normally, I say drive safe, call an Uber, call a cab, but if, if you're in a situation where you're drunk and you're not home, you're doing something wrong. You're supposed to be at home right now. So um, if you are drunk and you're not at home, call an Uber or call a cab, but uh, don't do that. Just stay home. We love you guys. Be safe, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Life from the Well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Don't forget, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.